Good morning, church. I'm Steve. I'm happy to see you. Go ahead and stand. We want to come into this place with peace and with hope in your heart. Let's do it with as much joy as you got in your heart as well. All right, let's sing it out to him, okay?
for giving us hope and joy and peace. We call upon that in this place today to be reminded of all that you do for us. We love you very much and we thank you for being a part of our story.
praising my Savior all the day long. Let's call for his rest that he can give to us. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior, am happy and blessed. Watching him in his love as we sing. This is his story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my my Savior all the day long. Let that be what our prayer is today, that we can be in God's love and His hope and His, and His joy, all the different things that we've been calling for already in this service today. Let's know that He's the one that can give us the supernatural peace in our lives and in our relationships. Would you guys have a seat and watch this next video. you're here. Let's pray together. Father, we're honored to be here in your presence. And now we pray that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Okay, guys, here's kind of the big idea that I'm going to be unpacking this morning. Here it is. If God is your father, you must be my brother. Or if you're a lady, if God is your father, you must be my sister. Or if you're a redneck, if God is your daddy, you must be kin. If you look around, guys, it works for almost everybody in the room. Everybody eventually, I hope, buy that. 
Now, we're going to let that go for a little while, but I'm going to get back to it. How many of you guys have ever been to a church where they pass the peace? Passing the peace. If you've never seen that happen, it probably sounds kind of weird, pretty common. Usually they're going to say something like this, the peace of the Lord be with you, and the person will answer back, and also with you. And they just kind of spend some time in the worship service going around and telling people, the peace of the Lord be with you, and the person responds back and also with you. Sometimes they'll add a handshake or a hug or a fist bump. During COVID, there were churches who adopted a no-contact alternative, something like this, the peace of the Lord be with you. And when they'd say, and also with you, you'd receive that peace in that way. Some smaller churches, this would go on for quite a while as they tried to pass the peace to everybody in the room, kind of like a holy scrum. So what's it about? A reminder that God is offering us His peace, a reminder that we are supposed to be peacemakers, maybe more than that even. Now, if you've been to different churches, you know that some churches kind of follow a pattern for their worship services, pretty much the same pattern every Sunday. We don't do that here. But if you've been to a Catholic church, Lutheran, Episcopalian, Methodist church, you know what I'm talking about. And usually there's a logic to the order of worship, to the liturgy. Not all churches do it the same, but it's not random. And sometimes the logic goes like this. The Lord's Supper's coming. They're going to have the Lord's Supper that morning, and so there's prep work that needs to be done before you go to the Lord's Supper. First of all, you've got to cleanse your heart. You've got to clean yourself up before going to the table with God. So sometimes they'll have this communal confession of sin. Bend their knees, sometimes literally. Confess their sins to God. Ask His forgiveness so you don't go to the table with twisted hearts. It's a time of making peace with God, reconciliation with God. After that, the pastor pronounces God's forgiveness because it's not his pronouncing it. It's God's promise. God says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and he's just and he'll forgive you your sins from every unrighteousness. That's his promise. But there's still more prep work to be done. And here it is, because reconciliation with God is not done until we're reconciled to our brothers and sisters. I am not good with God if I'm at war with his kids, not brothers and sisters. So sometimes churches use that moment to pass the peace. And it's not just a reminder that God offers us His peace. It's not just a reminder that we're supposed to be peacemakers. It's a time of making peace with my brothers and sisters before I sit at table with them. You ever been at a table with people who were at war with each other? It makes the table pretty uncomfortable, doesn't it? So, we're going to do it that way this morning for a change. If you want, and if you can... Go to your knees. And we're going to pray together. And I'm going to say the words, but I'm going to encourage you to try to make these words your own. Let's pray. Father God, we're here to ask you for your mercy and your forgiveness, your grace, because we really need it. Too often, instead of trusting you, we trust others, or we trust ourselves more than you. 
And God, that's wrong. And we can be such hypocrites. Sometimes we come into this room and we bless you with our lips and out there with these same lips, we mock and we curse others who are made in your image. And that's wrong. Sometimes we ask you for wisdom, for your guidance, but only when we think we need it. And we ask for your wisdom, but we don't even read your word to listen to your voice. Sometimes we come to church and we hear the word, but we only accept those parts with which we already agree. And so we walk away unchanged. We tolerate your word, but we don't treasure it. We don't submit to it. And that's wrong. You tell us, God, that we're to seek your kingdom first, your righteousness first. And yet we come up with reasons why we don't have to. We rationalize, we justify our sin. We tell ourselves that we know better than our God on this one. And that's wrong. With the people around us, instead of being quick to listen, we're just quick to defend ourselves. Instead of trying to love others, we just demand to be heard by others. Convict us of our pride. Create in each one of us a humble heart, a peacemaking spirit. God, a whole lot of us are more fearful of dying than we are of sinning against you, and that's wrong. Give us the courage, God, to be the people you want us to be. You tell us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Yet how many times we've been impatient with those who weep and we envy those who are rejoicing. We think we deserve better than the next person, but we forget that everything we have is just grace. Forgive us, God. Have mercy on us. Forgive us for not being tenderhearted and compassionate. Cleanse us of our pride and our stubbornness. Forgive us when we charge you with wrong. Forgive us for not worshiping you, putting you first, always. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. <coughs> Guys, listen. This is a promise from God. He says if we confess our sins that he's faithful and just and he will always forgive us our sins and purify us from every unrighteousness. Do you believe that? Yes. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and God is just and he will always forgive us because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord. It's grace. Now we're not done because we're not fully reconciled with our Father until we're fully reconciled with His kids, our brothers and sisters. So right now it's time to pass the peace, to make peace. And listen, people don't get this. Peacemaking starts at home. It starts with family. It starts here. Now we don't have time this morning for every one of you to go around the room passing the peace to everyone else in the room. We don't even have the time this morning for some of you guys to pass the peace just with those with whom you're at war. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a promise to God together. Something like this. God, you have shown us amazing grace even though we don't deserve it. 
Help us to show that kind of magnanimity and grace to those in our lives, even though they don't deserve it. So if you would, close your eyes. Pray with me. God, you've shown us amazing grace, even though we don't deserve it, and we thank you. God, help us to show that kind of magnanimity, that kind of grace to those in our lives, even when they don't deserve it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And it may be that in the next few minutes during the Lord's Supper, you might need to pull out your phone. You might need to do some texting with someone with whom you need to pass the peace. And God wants you to come to this table at peace with him and at peace with those who are sitting around you. So here it is. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ, aren't we? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ, aren't we? So even though we're many here, we all eat from one loaf, showing that we are actually one body. Paul says that the Lord's Supper is a sharing in the body and the blood of Jesus. And in the Greek language, you can actually set up a, a question so that the answer is yes. Of course it is. Isn't this a sharing in the blood of Christ? Yeah, of course it is. Isn't this a sharing in the, in the body of Christ? Absolutely, of course it is. His death becomes our death. His resurrection becomes our resurrection because it's our sins that he takes to that cross. But here's the deal. If you sit at table and share in and participate in the body and the blood of Jesus, you're also sharing in, participating with every other person who's one of God's kids coming to this table with you. The Lord's table is not just about sharing time with God. It's a family meal. Do you understand that? In fact, in the very next chapter of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul scolds some Jesus followers because they're disrespecting each other away from the table and then trying to celebrate the Lord's Supper together at the table. And the Apostle Paul actually tells them, you may be eating a cracker and drinking the juice, but you are not eating the Lord's Supper. Because peace with God requires doing your best to make peace with God's kids. You cannot blow each other off and be good with God. So, if God is your daddy, you're welcome to come to the table, having made peace with him through Jesus and being committed to making peace with your brothers and your sisters. And while you're at the table, if you want, there's an offering box, and that's where we who call Capital City our home, that's where we give our first part back to God. It's an act of worship. And if you want, there's also a white generous bucket. If you've got an extra dollar or two, if you drop it in there, every penny that goes in there, we use to take care of people, love on people. Let's bow our heads together. For, our, for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, we just give you thanks. For the invitation to this table, we give you thanks. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. You're welcome.
Pain is gold and mercy fills the streets to look upon the one who bled to save me and walk with him for all eternity.
powerful, isn't it? It really is. Great, honey. Thank you. I don't like that word. Kind of a churchy word, isn't it? I mean, it's not the kind of word that you're going to use every day. When's the last time you got together with the guys at work after work for some fellowship? Yeah, right. When's the last time you asked some guys to go to the game for some fellowship? If you've done that, you're weird. We do have some ladies on our staff who might go to Sage for some fellowship because they're weird. But I guarantee you that the guys on our staff don't go to Sonny's Barbecue for fellowship. <laughs> and at church, we talk about hanging around for some fellowship in the foyer after one of our worship services. Maybe we have a fellowship meal in a fellowship hall. A lot of churches have these fellowship groups. Kind of a churchy word, isn't it? I don't like it much. Now, we use the English word fellowship to translate a very, very important Greek word in the Greek New Testament, the word koinonia. But I think the way we've used the word fellowship so tritely has weakened what koinonia is really supposed to mean. We do all kinds of fellowship without real koinonia. We've messed it up. We've confused it with our spaces and our trivialities. We miss how deep it is supposed to go. And listen, guys, in a culture that is growing increasingly hostile to Jesus' followers, in a culture in which we are increasingly seen as the bad guys, we're going to need more than fellowship. We're going to need koinonia. So I want to go back and try to understand what God was really looking for. In fact, if you want, you can go all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, in our beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Genesis chapter 1 tells how God created the stars, planets, earth, how we covered the earth with all these plants and animals. And then at the end of this creation story, he creates us humans, different. He created us humans in his image, like him in some ways. Do you know why? So we could do life with him. And he gave us a choice. A choice whether we wanted to do life with him or not. Of all of the creatures of the earth, we were the ones given that choice. We were the ones created for koinonia with God. And then in Genesis chapter 3, we sinned against God. We knew what God wanted. We chose against it. And here's what sin does. Sin always corrupts koinonia with God. It always messes up our life with God. It messes up our peace with God. But it does more than that. Our sin not only corrupts our koinonia with God, it also ruptures our koinonia with each other. It always does. Sin builds these walls between us and God. Sin builds these walls between us and our one another's. It always shatters God's dream. So, God went to work fixing what we broke. He went to work restoring koinonia, the life with God, the peace 
with God that we were supposed to experience with other God followers. Because here it is, guys, when we reattach to God, when we reattach to God, we have both a mandate and a way to reattach to each other. So, about 4,000 years ago, God called this guy named Abraham. He wanted to use Abraham and the family of Abraham, the children of Abraham, to reconstitute a people of God through whom the whole world could be reconciled to God, be at peace with God, to have koinonia with God again. Eventually, the ancestors of Abraham found themselves slaves in Egypt, so God called Moses to lead these children of Abraham to a new land, on a mission still, through whom the whole world could be reconciled to God so that koinonia with God could be restored. Later, God used guys like Saul and David and Solomon to shape this people into a nation. And then God used these prophets to keep the people of God connected to him and on mission and to tell us that someday someone's coming special, someone who would blow our minds to complete that mission, to fix what was broken in a way that none of them could begin to fathom. And then God steps into our world as Jesus, our Emmanuel, excuse me, our God with us. And he steps into our world to make it possible for us to be reconciled to God and through that to be reconciled with each other for the koinonia that you were created for. And here it is, God. When we're at peace with God, now we have a way to be at peace with men again. Remember what Jesus said? I want you to love God with everything you've got and I want you to love each other in the same way that you love yourself. In fact, I want you to love each other the same way that I've loved you. That's koinonia, guys. In fact, the two go together. You cannot really love God if you're not doing your best to love your one another's. The Bible is clear about that. It's God's truth. So this notion of koinonia is a really, really big deal. It's Fellowship with God, this fellowship with each other is a big deal. It is what you were created for. I'm going to bore you for just a couple of minutes, just a couple of minutes, I promise, because I'm going to kind of give you a little Greek lesson. You ready? This koinos word group is one of the most important word groups in the New Testament. In its simplest form, just koinos means common or communal to have something in common. The verb form, koinoneo, means to do something in common with others, to share with others, to participate in something with others. We're partners. We're in something together. We have each other's backs. It's more than just our fellowship. The noun form, koinonia. That's the form that we Jesus followers latched on to. Now, to those who are outsiders, koinonia could be a really little thing, just as something as you share some interest. You're both hobbyists. But it could also be as rich as the bond you feel in a band of brothers. We Jesus followers took it deeper. It was not supposed to be about handshakes and hugs and fist bumps in a foyer. It wasn't supposed to be about people who come into the same room and look at the back of each other's heads and listen to some old guy drone on. 
It was a doing life with, a doing life with God together as brothers. Because as we participate in Christ, we also participate with each other. And over time, we have cheapened it. We have replaced genuine partnership with some wussy fellowship. It is not what God intended. Now, there's all kinds of places that I could take in the New Testament that kind of spell out what God really wants. The word is used frequently. A few minutes ago, I shared some words of Paul before we went to the Lord's Supper. He says, when we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? The word there is koinonia. We're sharing in Christ. We're participating in Christ. When we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? The word is koinonia. It's more than hanging out with God for a few minutes. It's a sharing in Christ. It's a participating in the death and the resurrection of Christ. It's rich. Acts 2.42 is one of the big ones. Luke says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to koinonia, to real koinonia, and to the sharing of meals, which included the Lord's Supper and to prayer. He's not talking about the koinonia that goes on in most churches most of the time. We used to have this custom at Capital City, which I kind of enjoyed. I'd say, if you're really glad someone is here, give them a hug. If you're kind of glad someone is here, give them a handshake. And if you don't give a rip that they're here, just give them a head nod, right? And we'd have a whole lot of people doing that. It's not the kind of koinonia Luke is talking about. He's talking about doing life with each other, bearing each other's burdens, challenging each other, encouraging each other, dragging each other to heaven. Church is supposed to be a rebirth of a holy people united by a common allegiance to Jesus, doing life with God for God, God's way together. <laughs> We're in this thing together. Two chapters later, Luke shows us how far this thing can go. Here's how Luke describes the Jesus followers. He said, all the believers were united in heart and mind, which is weird and cool, powerful, because we're different. And they actually felt that what they owned wasn't their own. So they shared everything they had. It wasn't just words, it's koinonia. Are you willing to put your time and your sweat and your wallet behind it? Now, it's not that the early Christians were communists. They weren't. No one forced them to take care of each other. They still owned private property. But they recognized that everything that they had was really God's anyway. And they recognized that people are more important than things. And they recognize that family takes care of family first. You buy that? And so they actually did koinonia, life together. One more. This is from the Apostle John. And here's what he says. He says, we proclaim to you what we've actually seen and heard so that you may have koinonia with us. And our koinonia is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, if you're really going to have koinonia with God, you're going to have to have real koinonia with his kids. They go together. Like we've said before, like Jesus' followers have said for millennia, if the church ain't your mama, God ain't your daddy. We're not in this thing alone. If these people aren't your kin, you don't get it. I mean it. 
And then John goes on to say, so we're lying. If we say we have koinonia with God, but go on living in darkness, we're not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we will have koinonia with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, will cleanse us from all sin. In other words, he says, you're lying if you say that you're doing life with God and you're not serious about doing life with God's people. You need your one another's. And your one another's need you. So if God is your daddy, you must be kin, right? And kin take care of kin. Some of you guys maybe picture church as kind of a lecture room where you can kind of go and listen to some old guy talk for a while and then you go home. Pretty much defines your life with God and defines your life with the people of God. Some of you guys probably picture church as kind of a theater where you go to watch the show. Kind of defines your life with God and pretty much defines your life with the people of God. Some of you guys probably kind of picture church as a service organization, kind of like Rotary Club or Kiwanis Club on steroids, right? You know, a bunch of people pooling their resources to do some good in the world. How cool is that? And that pretty much defines your life with God and your life with the people of God. God calls us to genuine koinonia, to do life together, God's way, for God with God together. Band of brothers on a mission for God, dragging each other to heaven. A real family, no Jew or Gentile, black or white or anything else, no slave or free. It's not about how much money you have or not, how honored you are out there or not. No male or female, Paul says, it doesn't matter what sex you are, how old you are, how beautiful you are. We're family, guys. The common allegiance to Jesus common inheritance, and a common mission. So how are we going to get it done? How are we going to get it done here at Cap City? Because genuine koinonia is going to be more and more important as the world grows more and more hostile. If we're going to be the bad guys, we're going to need each other. So how's my life going to be different if I actually start living this out? Did you know that we have marriages without real koinonia? Where a husband and wife live together under the same roof, but they are not doing life with God, for God, God's way together, and it's such a waste. What a difference a God-honoring koinonia would make in your marriage. And you can choose it, every one of you. Did you know that we have biological families who do life together without real koinonia? God-honoring. And our families need a God-honoring koinonia with God at the center and a serious God-honoring love for each other. We need that desperately. Did you know that most people go to work every day and have all of these colleagues without ever any real koinonia? Did you know that guys and girls on our sports teams wear the same jerseys, play on the same team, and never experience real genuine koinonia? And they need it so badly. We were created for koinonia, guys, and people are hungering for it. Did you know that most people go through life with a boatload of acquaintances, but few real friends at the koinonia level? 
people are starving for it. Did you know that even most Jesus followers go through life without genuine koinonia without other, with other Jesus followers? And did you know that that always corrupts real koinonia with God? So we need to get it done. Got to step it up. Our families, with our friends, especially with our kin here at Capital City. We can't do it for you. All we can do is give you the opportunity to step it up. Which is why Connect, Connect is so big here at Capital City. Worship, Connect, Grow and Serve. It's one of the big four. Connection is about a God-honoring koinonia. It's not about what we do in the foyer after a service. Which is why we have a connection event going on right now out in our connections room. Some of your kin or signing up for one of our life groups in the Connections Room this morning. Some of you guys need to do that as well. And if you can't make it to the Connections Room this morning to sign up for one of our Connect groups, life groups, then at least go to the Connect station in our foyer. If you look to the right, when you step into the foyer, you'll see this TV. You'll see on this wall a bunch of cards for different groups you can participate in here at Capital City, especially one of our life groups. The very last one says Cap City Life Groups. Take one of those cards. It's where 10 or 15 people in our church family commit to doing life with God, for God, God's way, together. Do it for your sake. Do it for the sake of family. I don't know if, how God is moving you this morning. I hope he's moving you to take seriously this need for real koinonia with him and with each other. Maybe he's just moving you to get started in this whole thing in the first place. Maybe you're not a Christian yet. And if you need to be doing life with God, he's probably nudging you right now. I'd love to talk to you. I'm going to be down here at the rest of the service and after the service is over, let's chat. There's an elder praying for you right now in that prayer room. Go back there and chat with him. If you want to join this church family, it's a way to get started. Come down and let's chat. And find a way to get connected to the real koinonia with the, with the people of God. Let's stand and worship him together.
tells us when we gather together that he's going to be in our midst. His presence is here. So we ask for peace, and we know that he's going to give it to us, this hope, this joy, this peace that we cry out for. So cry out for it in your families. Cry out for it in your workplace. Cry out for it in your neighborhood right now. Shout Jesus everywhere. Let the world know that you are his, all right? Shout Jesus from the mountains. Shout Jesus from the street. This is uh, Kathy Bailey. By the way, she's kin. <laughs> and if uh, Jesus is your daddy and you want this to be your family, you're welcome here. And so she's going to make this confession of faith that we've all made. And this is what unites us as family. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the living God. The Son of the living God. My Lord and my Savior. My Lord and my Savior. Welcome to our family. Thank you, Kathy. Hey, we are so very grateful that you've worshiped with us today, uh, being able to be here together. If you're in person, online, we're grateful that you're here. We are doing this Connections event uh, that's taking place all morning long, and we want to encourage you. You've, you've seen this morning the value and the importance of us having community in the larger context of what we do as a church. And so this is an opportunity where we really are pushing and really encouraging you to find that place to plug in. So as you exit out of this room, you're going to turn left out of the foyer to our Connections room. If you're looking for a place, there's cards on your seats right now that you can fill out and drop in an offering bucket or, or turn into me, turn into to one of our, uh, our guest services people with the blue shirts and the, the tags around their neck. Just drop these off. If you're looking for a way to get connected, do that. If you're online, uh, just ask a question. They'll, they'll give you a link. They'll help you out. They'll help you get there. And that'll be really, really good. Among the many things that we're doing in connections beyond even just life groups is that we've got lots of different growth groups and things that we do. And we've got a new one starting this Wednesday night. We want you to be aware of it's being led uh, by Jim White. It's a study of the book of Psalms. And again, our Wednesday nights, they start at 5.30. We've got a meal, and then our classes start at 6 or 6.30. And so we encourage you to come and find uh, those opportunities, find a way to plug in even through that. Those are great ways for us, again, to have that koinonia in different kinds of contexts, even as we learn together and grow in that, uh, in that endeavor. Now, finally, uh, last week we gave you cookies. Do you guys remember this? Some of you remember this because some of you ate them. And you know you shouldn't have. You know you broke the rule. 
So here's the deal. There's more cookies out there. They're not for you. They're not yours, but they're there for you. You're going to walk out and you're going to grab a, a little bag of cookies. They're Oreos. They're delicious. They're tempting. Go to Kroger, get your own cookies. These aren't for you, all right? And so you're going to take the Oreos, and what you're going to do is you're going to go to a neighbor, and you're going to exchange those for the name. You're going to, you're, someone you don't know, you're going to use that as a way to just give them something small, something simple, but just to know their name, just to meet them, just to get to know them. And then through that, the, the next step for you would be use their name. Like the next time you see them, call them by name. Uh, find ways to interact with them. This is a way for us to get our foot in the door, to know our neighbors, to know ways in which we can be a blessing to our community. We're going to help you do that. This is one of those nudges things that we're doing. And so I'm nudging you on your way to the connections room to go sign up for a life group. You're going to stop by the table and you're going to get some cookies and you're going to give that to a neighbor. And again, they aren't yours. Did you hear that? All right. I know like you're going to see cookies and you're going to think they're not, they're not for you. All right. So, so stay focused. All right. We're grateful again that you're here, that you worshiped with us. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. We'll see you next week.